It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome to the latest episode of our new podcast, Go Atlanta, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. We're here every Thursday to introduce you to the most interesting people, places, and things to do in and around Atlanta. This is the podcast to get you ready for the weekend. I'm food, dining, and living editor, Lagaya Figueres. And later in today's podcast, I've got a special announcement that should bring you great joy. And we have a returning guest this week, the AJC's Bo Emerson, who will talk about a very special memorial. Welcome, Bo. Thanks, Shane. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. First on this week's episode, it's 2023, but more importantly for our purposes, it's January. And for many, that means dry January, a post-holiday month free of alcohol. And joining us to talk about that are Jerry and Krista Slater, beverage industry veterans and the proprietors of the Expat, Slater's Steakhouse, and the Lark Wine Space in Athens. And to introduce them, I'm turning things over to Lagaya Figueres. Okay, well, the other accolade that the Slaters have is that they are columnists for the AJC. They have been writing the Distilled and Fermented column, uh, which publishes every other week for a few years now. Hi, guys. Hello. Thanks for joining us. I know that you guys have gotten through busy holidays and you are on vacation, but you're still taking time to chat with us. So tell us where you are. We're in New Orleans, which is probably the worst place to start dry January. So we're uh, giving it a bit of delayed start. That sounds like a great, I think you guys earned it. (laughs) So our topic is, is dry January. And I know that in your upcoming column, which is going to run next week, you are going to give some folks a few ideas for um, non-alcoholic product and also some ideas for using them. But before we get to those suggestions and tips, talk to us a little bit about um, dry January as sort of a practice. You guys have been in the industry um, quite some time. So can you give us any sort of history on, on dry January? Um, I wish we could. <laughs> <laughs> You've been drinking it too much. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> just joking. We, you know, just as we, we note that we see folks abstaining a little more. Um, honestly, it's why we feel comfortable taking off the first week of January. We'll, 
we'll let a lot of folks get through that and, and then open the restaurants uh, back up next week. Um, but, you know, we are working a lot during those holidays, but we notice our friends who, you know, aren't in the restaurant industry um, really kind of go at it in the holiday season and, you know, deservedly so. So, you know, I can see people wanting to uh, just like giving their credit card a break, uh, give their bodies a break and um, yeah, abstain a little bit. I also feel like, uh, especially with younger generations, um, there's a movement towards a more mindful way of drinking um, rather than just intense consumption, like a, a way of have, finding more balance. So um, I would say definitely feel like within the last decade, um, seeing things go from these like dry Januaries to more of a um, kind of taking breaks on again, off again throughout the year. Actually, it's interesting that you brought up the whole um, younger drinker idea because actually next week our uh, Nedra Roan, who writes the real life column, is going to be exploring motivations behind people who participate in Dry January. And there appears to be different motivations depending on um, age groups. And it's actually curious. I was looking at, I got a press release um, the other day about the research out of this group called uh, Consumer Insights Platform, uh, Valinks, and some of the statistics statistics about dry January are really interesting where they're saying, you know, it's really not just a social media fad type thing, that more than three quarters of Americans say they've temporarily given up alcohol for at least a month in the past. And then half, well, almost half, 46% of drinkers are trying to reduce their alcohol consumption right now. And 52% of them are replacing alcohol with non-alcoholic beverages. But so let's get into the beverage side of things. Um, in your column, you mentioned a few products that you recommend. Can you talk to us a little bit about those? Sure. Um, so as as somebody who works in the wine industry and just loves wine, I particularly like to seek out items that most that best replicate that experience of wine drinking. Um, so one of the producers that I chose to highlight was a brand new one in the market here in Atlanta called Oddbird. Um, it's a Swedish-based company that specializes in wines that are, as they say, liberated from alcohol. Um, so they are they are produced with an intentional thought as to where the grapes are being sourced, making it as you would make a traditional wine with aging methods, um, but then using a more gentle method of removing the alcohol, so trying to maintain the flavors as close as possible to real wine. Um, and their their sparkling wines are really great. I think uh, for somebody you you don't you really almost don't miss the alcohol in them. Nice. Any other ones? I can't remember. I, I'm the one that edited your <laughs> <laughs> your story, yeah. but I can't remember some of the other products. Well, so piggybacking on top of the sparkling wines, um, you know, consumers right now are crazy for the spritz cocktails, you know, like the whole like uh, viral sabato, sabato, with Negroni. Pros- with, prose- with Prosecco. Um, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. That was on, in your column a few weeks ago. So, yeah. So we sell a lot of spritz cocktails in the restaurant. And um, I personally love a spritz cocktail in the, you know, pre-dinner hour. Um, and there's a really great um, non-alcoholic bitter um, called Wilfrid's. It's a, a, a British product. So kind of mirroring those flavors of Aperol or Campari, that kind of citrusy, bitter, botanical. Um, and you add a little bit of that to 
one of the odd bird sparklings and you have a spritz that, I mean, uh, honestly, if you blind tasted somebody on it, it would be hard pressed to say if it was alcoholic or not. Nice. Jerry, I want to ask you um, from like a barman standpoint, if I was wanting to sort of set myself up at the home bar that's alcohol free, what are some key items that I should keep at my disposal? Yeah. So, you know, the Wilfords, I think, is amazing that Krista was just talking about. There's a product called Pintair, um, which is, for lack of a better word, like a spirit-free gin. Um, so it mirrors those botanicals. Um, so you can almost make yourself a Negroni uh, in a way. <laughs> nice. So that one is is wonderful as well. If I go out and I'm going to order a mocktail, sometimes I feel that they can be a bit hollow tasting. What are ideas for, do you know what I mean? And like not necessarily not balanced, but just kind of like hollow or empty. Where do you get the sort of the body for um, a drink that's alcohol free, but let's call it sophisticated? Yeah. So um, I'll give you an example at the steakhouse, our bartender, Jonathan Griffey, um, always makes, uh, he'll have a shrub. Like right now it's ginger, fennel, and apple. And so he's made this shrub, which will give you like some bitterness, some acidity, um, you know, add that to sparkling water, um, a nice sprig of rosemary in there. That's an example of like, hey, this has amazing flavor. It looks like, you know, you ordered a fancy cocktail, but it's spirit-free. Um Sometimes we'll use things like orgeat. Um, we'll give like texture in there. Oh, do you want well. to describe to our listeners what orgeat is? Oh, yeah. It's um, usually some kind of nut-based, um, for lack of a better word, uh, milk, but it's um, usually texturized with sugar and, and some other flavors, vanilla. It fills in the viscosity hole that alcohol um, normally provides, that textural element and um it's more interesting than just a simple syrup you know there's there's layers of flavor from that nuttiness that don't have to be too sweet right um, which is always my biggest issue with mocktails sometimes is they're just too sweet (laughs) right oh well these are terrific ideas so um i guess before we let you go what are you going to be tasting down in new orleans (laughs) (laughs) um we've got we we tried to stay loose and just really relax this time but we do have reservations for lingua madre tonight awesome awesome well we will let you go enjoy your dinner enjoy um your drinks in new orleans whether they are free of alcohol or not you deserved it (laughs) awesome thank you so much thank you you. well that's great i must admit i have done dry January before, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, not doing it this time. Um, but uh, yeah, it is a challenge because I do have actually on on my bar shelf, I have a non-alcoholic gin, which is okay. All right. Um, it's it's is not it great. Is it seed lip? Do you have seed lip? No, it's uh, Monday. 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 Um, they make a whole line, I think, of, of non-alcoholic spirits. Um, and uh, it's it's fine, but it does, it, it does sort of, it, the hollow thing you talked about it doesn't mm. feel as full as as you know the normal gin right so you and drink that on purpose i did um and you know good to have around for people who may you know you may want right. to make something for them but i mean in the past i often just used to do soda and bitters 
But the thing is, you don't realize bitters has bitters, alcohol. Bitters has alcohol. Yeah, it does. Except for well, like they mentioned that one product right. that does, and I think there might be some others on the market that don't. Yeah. But um, three drops of alcohol. Though. Yeah. It's, hey, well, to be honest with you, and I've had this conversation um, previously before I worked here when I was um, up in St. Louis at uh, the uh, a culinary magazine and doing the drink writing. Um, I spoke with some bartenders about how they serve people who have had, um, who've dealt with problems with it, you know, alcoholism. Right. And if they're going to go out and go to a bar, um, a bartender really does need to be mindful, you know, that there's alcohol in there. And mm-hmm. some people, it's just, it's going, it can potentially be a trigger. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. And and most of, you know, just a, your regular average bar that's not, you know, cocktail focused or whatever, if they have bitters, it's going to be Angostura bitters. Mm-hmm. And that definitely has lots right. of alcohol in it. Um, but, you know, but for those of us that's not an issue, you know, just a few drops, it's not, it right, doesn't, right. doesn't really taste alcoholic, but it does feel like a cocktail. Right. So, yeah, I always have bitters around as well. Well, I mean, I think that the, if we're going to call it now at this point a tradition, this tradition for some people of dry January, I think it's more just about, you know, they mentioned like the idea of mindfulness, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it's about um, perhaps even exploring your relationship with alcohol, right. you know? Yep. Um, I think there's also that word sober curious is, is what, yeah. you know, some people refer to it as. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, the, we, we wanted to take a look at, at dry January this month. Um, as I mentioned, the Slater's column will be running next week um nedra's column i think it will be very interesting to read a little bit about you know the age groups and some different motivations behind um some of these different groups which by the way it is the younger set that is really driving the non-alcoholic beverage category and the explosion there of options and i will mention too that online today another ajc um drink writer angela hansberger has other recommendations for new and newish non-alcoholic drinks and folks can find online and in the food section uh, an alcohol-free drink recipe from the Woodall, which is on Atlanta's west side. So we are there pouring out the uh, dry January information. Right. And the uh, the Angela Hansberger's um, story that you mentioned, that's in Go Guide on Friday. Oh, that's well. right. I forgot about that one, too. Yep. Um, well, um, she, so that's going to be a roundup of um, non-alcoholic drinks that oh, folks okay. can find at Metro Atlanta restaurants. But the blog post is um, a few more, a handful of other um, non-alcoholic products that one can purchase for your home bar. You will awesome. be inundated with non-alcoholic <laughs> right. drinks. Yeah, we, we definitely right. have you covered on on, uh, right. on that account. More than a jigger. <laughs> so there you go. All right. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. We're back on Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Now we're going to talk with Bo Emerson about a story he's written about a very special memorial. 
Well, it's a unusual one. I don't even know if there's another one like it, and I'll tell you how uh, it came about. There's a fellow named Umberto Fayas, who's from Costa Rica, came to the U.S. to, to go to school, ended up in Nebraska going to college because they would pay for his uh, tuition, which is about climatically as opposite to Costa Rica as you could get, but became an optician, a doctor of optometry, settled in McDonough, and uh, has this very thriving practice there, uh, Fias Family Vision, and is a big dog lover, but uh, somehow fell in love in particular. He's had a variety of dogs with this with this German shepherd that was given to him by a friend of his on a bicycle team that, that he also is interested in. He plays guitar. He's a bicycle rider. He's an animal lover. So uh, this dog, Ace, only lived four years and perished of some kind of a cancer. And um, Peto, which is what Umberto's friends all call him, was crushed and, uh, and really went into a downward spiral. And you can see that this is not that unusual, actually. This happens to a lot of people. I know people at the at the newspaper who took weeks off after a very special cat died. Well, companies now offer like bereavement for pets, too, I think. And then and there's so much, you know, now benefit-wise for owners of pets, don't you think? Yep. You've seen that more and more? Oh, well, sure. And I, I believe this now much more clearly than I did before because we had our little Shih Tzu mix, Ralphie, perish uh, last year. And uh, so a lot of people feel the same way, but... He felt very alone, and finally his wife, after about three months, said, Peto, you need to do something. And what he did was he created a memorial to Ace, a really nice bronze statue, and behind it was uh, something additional to that, something where other people could also leave memories of their own pets that they loved. So I went down to McDonough to talk to him about it. It is a very powerful moment when you have to put uh, your pet down. And as I have gotten older, I think it's a lot much more uh, intense, much more delicate now. Well, and you discovered that there's a lot of other people that have gone through the same thing. And after you created that memorial, those people began to show up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We had people drive all the way from Atlanta to hang their dog tag. Uh, And something that I never mentioned that I let people that do it let me know is what their emotions were at the moment where they hang that little tag. And many of them described it as a very peaceful moment, which is exactly what happened with me. When I hanged the first tag, uh, Ace's tag, I broke down crying and I was happy that nobody was around to see me. But it felt very emotional, but it felt very liberating, too, almost as if uh, I could let go of that pain and, and grief, and, and I felt relieved, you know. So it, it's a strange feeling that only a person that goes through what we went through or other people that go through the same type of, of pain and grief know what I mean, no? So that was my conversation, or part of my conversation with Peto. And uh, the memorial that he's talking about is... A, a bronze statue of a German shepherd, uh, more than life-size, that he put up in some land outside of his optometry practice with a little sort of a stone patio around it and a bit of fencing behind it with a sign on it encouraging people to do what he's done, which is he took Ace's 
tags, and he hung them, actually clipped them to that bit of fencing behind that bronze statue of his dog. And the inspiration for that was those uh, bridges in Paris, and you've seen them elsewhere, that have locks on them that are called love locks in some places. And they often memorialize a, a, a relationship, a marriage, a, a family, or whatever. This was a sort of a twist on that. And as people became aware of it, because I'll tell you about why, later, but his particular plot of land is very recognizable all over McDonough, um, they would come and bring their own dog tags there and, and hang them up. And it has become a bit of a sort of a communal, not a mourning place, but more sort of a remembrance, a way to pay tribute to a very favorite animal that has passed, and also to connect with other people who've been through the same thing. So how many dog tags are hanging on the fence now? I, it's only been up for a few months, so there's about 25 on there. And uh, and some people have hung up multiple tags because they've had more than one dog and or cat uh, die. So uh, so how long ago did this fellow's dog pass away? This he, is pretty he, recently. Yeah, then. he just died this spring. And he began the project later on in the summer. Did he commission someone to, to create the sculpture for him? Well, he looked into that and that was going to be about $45,000 minimum. And so... Uh, no time for that grant. <laughs> <laughs> and so he did a little looking around and he found out that there were in fact statues that are more, uh, you could say mass produced, but that are uh, where you can find one that would look a lot like your dog, but would cost considerably less still in the several thousands of dollars. Um, and uh, so he said, I, you know, I'm not rich, but I can afford a couple of thousand dollars for a, for a nice statue for Ace. And so that acts as a, as a kind of an anchor for the thing. He has a little plaque in front of the statue with a, a short uh, poem, the, the, which I won't remember well, but which says something like, when you look around and I'm not there with you, remember that I, I'm still in your heart. You know, and it's very, it's very touching. And, uh, and so I talked to, I ended up talking to some of the folks that have hung their dog tags on there and everybody has a story, you know, and everybody's dog is really the greatest dog in the world. But they all had a, a sense of, of a kind of a completion or a peacefulness when they've had a chance to go ahead and, and do something with this dog tag rather than just like throw it away or put it in a drawer. And uh, Petto talked about that, about how when I went down to talk to them about the people's response when they put their dog tags up there. Different people have different type of attachments with their pets. There's some that lived a very long life. There is some that were rescued, which makes it a great story. You know, some of them, in the case of Ace, he was a president, so he had a lot of meaning of friendship. You know, so yeah, everybody copes with that type of pain differently. But one thing is for sure is most of us that love our pets, we heard at different levels after they're gone, no? And, and we don't think about it until it's us. You know, being in social media, uh, you will see a post from somebody who lost their pen, and your general reaction is like, you know, I'm sorry that you have to go through this. Uh, we'll keep you in our thoughts or prayers or, or whichever uh, method, uh, you know, we express to remember them. But it's not the same as, as when it is our own pet. You know, when, when it is our own pet, you know how bad those people were hurting. So you put yourself in the same situation as that person now and you say, wow, this is, this is extremely difficult to deal with, you know. 
Pedro's a very interesting guy. He's in the little town of McDonough. He still has this accent. He's maybe uh, a bit of an exotic to them, but he's created a little community around himself. He's had murals painted on the some of the storefronts near him that he's commissioned. And uh, his son recovered from cancer, I believe it was. And one of the things that rescued him or that, that Pedro knew that he was on the mend was he brought him a Beatles-themed Lego set, which the son put together, and he said, he's obviously coming back to us. And so the Beatles now are a big theme for him, and he has these, like, figurines in his office, and outside of his office, he has a double life-size steel, I think it's Corten steel that's been painted, silhouettes of the four of them in their crossing the Abbey Road pose. So it's turned a, uh, you know, it's made a, a very colorful place out of his little corner of McDonough. And in some ways, this is very much in keeping with that. He wants to sort of create a feel for this for this little town. And also, he would like to see other people do the same thing. He says he would have no problem uh, if anybody else wanted to copy his idea. I think it makes people feel better. So why not? You know, we're we're in this life for a very short period, and, and, and we have to strive to make every day smile, and uh, regardless of the obstacles, no? Bo, this guy sounds amazing. Where, how did you find him? Um, how did I find him, Shane? Yeah, I, I think someone sent us uh, an email about it. I, I recall getting that and thinking, wow, what a great story, because being, you know, a dog parent myself— it it really touched me, and I thought, you know, that's something that it, it gives people a place to share that grief. You know, it's it's often a, a solitary thing uh, in many ways, and and I thought, God, what a great story this right. could be. And, and you so, know, the yeah. the uh, um, you guys do a fantastic job of covering the culture and the food and the music and everything. And I think part of my job is to try to find people like this that are also what makes Atlanta such an interesting place. Oh, for sure. You know, the idea of giving people like a place to go to think about their pet. I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen that there's like pet mausoleum type mm-hmm. things before and that people do can cremate their pets, I think now and like yeah. you can take those ashes and I guess put them in what? So these like the, a columbarium like a col- or yeah, something exactly. like that. But uh, some people can't afford to do that first of all. And I isn't it illegal to you can't like you're not supposed to bury your pet in your backyard, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think I think laws one of, vary one of our dogs is actually buried in our my family home backyard but my point being that it's a nice place for somebody to be able to go just like a human cemetery is a nice place to remember loved ones and so you know when dogs are or cats are really part of your family you know i would imagine that and you get to you get to show others you know that that even if it's only a little you know quarter-sized medallion of silver or whatever with their name on it and you can see it yourself as you go by there was one lady that picked a a bright red color uh little tag that had her pet's name in the years that uh that it was alive so that you could see it from the street as she drove by do people leave um also like photographs too at this point i haven't seen that yet although one uh left a collar and uh and it's a uh it's a nice spot because it's right next to a little park that's owned by the uh, one of the churches across the street. So there are trees all around and you can you can take a walk and that let that be part of the experience as well. That's a great idea. Okay, so if people are listening and they want to 
go to this place? Where exactly is it in McDonough? It's on Griffin Street in McDonough, and it's right at the Fias Family Vision Optometry Center. And once you're there, you will have no problem finding it because, first of all, you'll see the four beetles crossing Abbey Road in metallic, colorful splendor. But then you will also see that statue of Ace, and you'll see uh, other folks' dog tags hung up there as well. Nice story. Nice. It really is. And uh, if you want to read Bo's story, you can do that online at AJC.com. And uh, we're going to move on to some of the things that uh, we have that are new. I want to mention Rodney Ho's story. Since he's not here, he recently spoke with Ed Rowland of Collective Soul about what he's been up to lately and about his massive collection of guitars and a piano he got from Elton John. Uh, you can look for that in Saturday's Living section, and it's online now at the Georgia Entertainment Scene blog on AJC.com. And while you're at AJC.com, check out the premiere of a new video from classic Athens band Love Tractor, who will be opening for the B-52's homecoming show in Athens on January 10th at the Classic Center. We also have an interview with the band from freelancer Lee Valentine Smith in today's living section and online at AJC.com. And what we're working on, I wanted to mention that Bo is going to be working on a story for Black History Month. We'll have a story every day of the month in February, including some big stories in our Sunday Living and Arts section. And Bo is working on one on Sojourner Truth, right? Yes, sir. And I've learned a lot just by being part of the Black History Month projects in the past. And this uh, Sojourner Truth's story is a new one to me. She was born in slavery, was able to escape, and then she went back to a court to successfully sue to have her child also liberated. And uh, that was the first time that a black woman had ever done that. And uh, she became a very powerful and popular speaker. And uh, what I like most about her is that she was uh, born with a European name. She actually had some Dutch ancestry, but um, uh, gave herself her own name. And to me, that sort of is a a tradition that continues in black America and is one of the most uh, vital and interesting things about her. She, She, to me, she sort of like represents the exemplar of that. Awesome. That's great. So we look for that story coming in February and uh, check out uh, the living section. Uh, Most days during February, occasionally it'll show up in other places, but mostly we're going to have it in the living section every day of the month throughout February for Black History Month. And the theme this month is resistance. I've seen the calendar lineup of stories, and they are just so thoughtful. And I think folks are really going to be not just informed, you know, but just in awe of some of the people past and present that embody this resistance theme this year. Yeah. And uh, we're also working on a roundup of anticipated restaurants for 2023. you know, the dining scene, there's always something happening, always restaurants opening and closing, unfortunately. But yeah, we have a list of those most anticipated um, openings of 2023, and folks can find that online. If it doesn't show up today, um, it will be online tomorrow. Awesome. And we have coming next week a special new thing that uh, we'll be running every day, right? Oh, guys, just so joyful. This is my joyful announcement, people. Yes, next week we are launching a new 
daily feature. It's called Joyful Daily. Ha <laughs> how, ha, how witty of us. Um, so this is a new self-help column. Do you guys like self-help? I'm totally all, of, I need self-help all, like, desperately, anything. Yeah, I, I don't look for it, but it's it's funny that, that I mean, I've read the first one that we're going to be doing and, and yes. I thought it was great. Yeah. Okay, so this is a column that offers ideas for improving mindfulness and actively seeking joy every day. So the column will publish weekdays online and then Mondays through Thursdays and Saturdays in the living section of the print edition. So people can look for that first column to publish on Monday, January 9th. And it's written by Angela and Dennis Budimer. They're a husband and wife team. They're the founders of Atlanta Center for Mindfulness and Wellbeing. I have written multiple stories using them as um, an interview source and they're just really um, they have a wealth of information. In fact, they're going to be joining us next week here on this podcast to talk about the column and help us be a bit more joyful, you know? So do you guys know that my name means joy, actually? Oh, okay. In Tagalog. Did you know that? I did not know that. Okay. Now you do. Yes. I feel like this is the episode for like health and well-being. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, it kind of is. (laughs) It's a new year. It's a new you. I'll drink to that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This week's Go Guide will focus on mocktails, which we have already mentioned, but we also have a look forward at uh, some of the most anticipated visual arts exhibitions coming to Atlanta this year. And in this Sunday's Living in Arts section on January 8th, we'll have a story from Jeremy Redmond about his friend Gordon Corsetti, who uh, committed suicide after long being an advocate uh, for suicide prevention, um, as Jeremy put it, because he puts it so much better than so many others. He says, he was resilient and fought his depression fiercely for years, underwent therapy, and took medication. He had the support of many friends and his family, but all of that was not enough. On December 2nd, Gordon died by suicide at age 34. It's a sad story, but it's also an inspirational story, and I urge you to read it. And now it's time for our pet of the week. If Ted gave a talk, this is what he'd have to say. I'm a misunderstood guy hoping to catch your eye. Shelter life is no life, but if you take me home, my heart you'll own, and we'll both never be alone. Where'd you get that? (laughs) (laughs) I got that from the folks at the shelter. Uh, And a Lifeline volunteer there shared that Ted is calm, and he responds to sit and shake, and he's easy to walk. Ted loves treats and may be fine living with another dog. Did we mention that he's extremely handsome? Come and visit Ted today at DeKalb County Animal Services at 3280 Chambly Dunwoody Road in Chambly. And for more information, head to Lifeline Animal Project or email adoption at DeKalbCountyAnimalServices.com today. And you'll find a photo of Ted and a link to his shelter profile on the story page for this podcast at AJC.com. Thanks for listening to Go Atlanta. We release new episodes every Thursday morning to keep you in the loop of all the great things Atlanta has to offer, whether it involves planning an outing or just giving you something to talk about with friends and family. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Thanks to Bo Emerson. Delighted to be here. And to LaGaia Figueres. Have a joyful day, everybody. And I'm Shane Harrison. Thanks for listening to our brand new podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week for more ways to go Atlanta. Ocean Breeze. 
tropical beach, Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.